Today, the long but inexorable march towards greater equality advances forward. By passing this bill, the Senate sending a message to every American that every, sending a message that every American needs to hear. No matter who you are or who you love, you too deserve dignity and equal treatment under the law. On Tuesday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer oversaw a rare historic moment in Congress. Sir, 61, the nays are 36. Uh, the bill, as amended, has passed. The Senate passed a bill protecting the right to marriage for same-sex and interracial couples. And it happened with support from Democrats and Republicans. As the chamber knows, this is personal to me. And the first people I will call when this bill passes will be my daughter and her wife. Getting to this remarkable moment did not happen overnight. It began over the summer. A small bipartisan group of senators started to do something that seemed like a long shot. Get enough senators on board to pass a bill protecting same-sex marriage. They needed to get to 60 votes. The Democrats, they expected. And then they needed 10 Republicans. Reporter Liz Goodwin has been following this effort. So no one knew that if they had 10, which is how many were needed for this bill to pass, and uh, no one really knew until the day they voted um, that it could really happen. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Wednesday, November 30th. Today, we have the inside story of how the Senate came to protect same-sex marriage. Liz Goodwin takes us behind the scenes with a bipartisan group of senators, the ones who managed to win over enough Republicans to make this happen. I'm in a phone booth in uh, the Capitol on the Senate side where the reporters hang out. There's a lot of reporters around me. There's people on their phones. There's people chatting. So you might hear that. We talked to Liz from the U.S. Capitol, where she's been interviewing senators about how we got here. So on Tuesday, 12 Republican senators joined every Democrat to pass a law that would uh, give some protections to same-sex couples and interracial couples even if the Supreme Court were to reverse their decisions protecting those marriages, um, which, you know, used to seem like a far-fetched thing. But after the Dobbs decision last summer that reversed Roe v. Wade, that really set off a panic a lot among a lot of um, LGBTQ people that uh, Obergefell, which guaranteed same-sex marriage rights, could also be next. But before we get into the backstory of this, just the vote itself, were you expecting this outcome? How big of a deal was this outcome? So I was expecting this out outcome because I had started following the group of bipartisan senators who were trying to make this vote happen for months, starting back in July. The fact that 12 Republicans would cross the aisle and vote to enshrine some protections for same-sex couples into law is a really huge deal. It's something that people really uh, couldn't have imagined happening five years ago, 10 years ago. Rob Portman, who is a Republican senator, he's retiring. He represents Ohio. He was the first Republican to ever 
in the Senate say that he supported same-sex marriage, and that was in 2013. And he was the only one for a while. And then it was Senator Susan Collins and then later Senator Lisa Murkowski. But it was just them for a really long time, even after Obergefell, even after the Supreme Court protected these couples. And um, back when the House passed a version of this in July, um, how did you feel? Did you feel optimistic this could pass the Senate right away? No, I knew this was not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, it's just still an issue where there's a lot of strongly held views in our conference. So I never thought it would be easy. Yeah. I think it will be in about five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but, but we're not there yet. And what does the Respect for Marriage Act actually do? Like, what are the protections there? So the Respect for Marriage Act is actually a very narrow bill. Uh, It basically says that um, a state can't say, we don't recognize your marriage um, due to the gender of a person, the sex of a person, or the race of a person. So say um, the Supreme Court overturned Obergefell and um, a state wanted to say, we don't do same-sex marriage anymore. That's still allowed under this bill. You know, a state could say, we're not performing these anymore. We're not giving out any more licenses. But they could not say, and for you guys who are already married, we don't recognize you. You're not really married in our state. Um, Those marriages are enshrined in law um, once this bill passes the House and is signed by Biden. So essentially, if there's any state in the union that would still perform same-sex marriages in this um, scenario, you could get married and any state would have to recognize your union. And the same goes for interracial couples. Before we get into the backstory of how we got to this moment, I have to ask, why did the Senate even need to take this up? Because isn't same-sex marriage protected as a constitutional right after that big Supreme Court decision several years ago? Yeah, so the Obergefell decision in 2015, the Supreme Court said you can't discriminate on the basis of um you know, sex to say gay people can't get married. That's no longer allowed. So it's really protected now under the Constitution. But what people who were pushing this law were saying was, yeah, but so was the right to an abortion for, you know, more than 30 years, uh, more than 40 years until last summer. So that really set off alarm bells and a lot of um, same-sex married couples' minds of what if this is next? And even though some other conservative justices said, no, this is really just about Roe, tried to wall off that decision, it just didn't feel safe anymore. Mm. And so you've been reporting on how this this group came together in the Senate and how this bill came came to be. So take us back to when this started. Who were the major players at the beginning? So it really started with Senator Tammy Baldwin. She's a Democrat from Wisconsin. She's a pretty low-key, low-profile kind of senator. You don't really see her in headlines. She doesn't get involved in, you know, partisan brawls. She also happens to be the first openly gay person to ever be elected to the Senate. She really made history there. But she doesn't really emphasize that that much. She's really, um, you know, kind of stays out of the spotlight kind of person. You're sort of known 
for have not being like a big attention hog in a Senate where some people <laughs> like to claim credit, like to get in front of the camera. Um, so how would you say your kind of like personal style or approach would be for something like this that might be different from someone else's? I interviewed Senator Baldwin several times. The first time was before the first vote. I think far fewer people will question my motives. Um, if if it's not about, um, you know, elbowing people out of the way. and uh, or I, I think there was a short period of time where there was a belief that this was being pushed for political mm -hmm. reasons. And, uh, and um, my Republican colleagues would say to me, nobody thinks you're pushing this for political <laughs> reasons. They think other, you know, like the Democratic Party, or um, but nobody is questioning your motives. And when the House passed a this same Respect for Marriage bill back in July, she noticed that 47 Republicans had joined on to it. Um, and that was just such a surprise. It was really initially conceived as a messaging bill, like, let's get Republicans on the record about how they don't support same-sex marriage, which is now an unpopular position. 70% uh, of Americans do support it. And then, you know, surprising everyone, 47 Republicans in the House joined. And mm. that was a moment for Baldwin where she thought, huh, like maybe things have changed enough. Maybe this is possible in the Senate. And I remember the day that happened, um, uh, I went immediately to... Um, you know, Rob Portman, Tom Tillis, mm -hmm. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, 47, 47 Republicans supported this. We, we could do this. Yeah. And so she got together with um, a bipartisan group that had worked before on um, gay rights issues. It was her, it was Kirsten Cinema, another Democrat, and then it was three Republicans, Rob Portman, Susan Collins, uh, and Tom Tillis of North Carolina, who's actually a very conservative guy. Um, so it was a really diverse group. And they ended up uh, working together and convincing Republicans to join them. Mm. So it started out as perhaps this is a messaging bill to just get Republicans on the record opposing something that is popular in public opinion. But it turned into this real substantive thing what kind of opposition did they face? Yeah, so from the very beginning, a lot of the senators in this group knew that this was going to be harder in the Senate than in the House. They didn't think it would be, you know, something that could happen fast or easy. And at the very beginning, they were hearing from Republicans a ton of concerns about the bill. And they were very, you know, they ranged. They were very kind of diverse concerns. The first one was that they? there was a concern that the bill somehow said the federal government would have to recognize polygamous unions, um, which it did not say. But the group was like, okay, let's change that. We don't mind clarifying. Uh, so they added language saying this is not about polygamy. The second round of concerns was really about uh, religious liberty, this idea that if this passed, um, churches, religious groups, institutions would be somehow compelled to perform same-sex marriages or support them, recognize them. And so it was very important for a lot of Republicans who were on the fence that that be spelled out, that it did not do that.
I spoke with Senator Collins in her office after the first vote had passed, the first same-sex marriage vote had passed. We were completely open to rewriting the bill to make very clear that we were not requiring any church, synagogue, mosque, temple to perform a same-sex marriage in violation of its beliefs. So that part was pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. and easy to put into our bill, very explicit language. Another really key aim of this group was to get religious organizations to support the legislation because they knew, you know, for example, for Senator Mitt Romney, a devout Mormon, if the Mormon church was okay with this, he really wasn't going to have a problem with it. And that was something that Cinema uh, took the lead on because she actually grew up Mormon um, and, you know, has since left the church, but she had relationships. And so she was the chief negotiator with that church, and they did eventually come out and support uh, the legislation. And then Romney was one of those 12 Republicans um, who ended up voting for it yesterday. Well, I was proud of the Republicans um, who uh, were standing up to a lot of pressure. And I spoke to Senator Rob Portman about this. And doing the right thing in the sense that we provided a bill that proved that same-sex couples and their rights on the one hand and religious freedom on the other hand can coexist. And, you know, those Republicans who took the time to get to know the legislation and and look into the issue carefully agreed, a number of whom are against gay marriage, but believe that, you know, we struck the right balance given that gay marriage is already legal. Was there any Republican senator who kind of put their neck out and said, I'm against this? And what, what did they say about it? Yeah, there were a lot of, I mean, the majority of Republican senators did not vote for this yesterday, and some of them were more vocal than others. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, the other senator from Utah, he uh, brought up the objection that he did not believe that the religious liberty protections went far enough, that this would still somehow lead to discrimination against religious people, and he offered an amendment that failed yesterday that he said would address that. How we proceed today will do nothing to the status quo of same-sex marriage in this country. It's legal and will remain legal regardless of the outcome of this legislation. It will, however, if enacted, have profound consequences for people of faith. Senator Marco Rubio um, and Senator James Lankford were also very vocally against it for similar reasons. Uh, But I think... One way you can see that this issue has changed politically is that uh, no Republican senator or no kind of 2024 Republican hopeful really went ham on it. Um, It wasn't something that, you know, you would see Trump tweeting about or uh, even though there is still a lot of opposition from social conservative groups and from some religious groups, it just doesn't have that same salience, culture war um, kind of fire that it used to. What were your conversations like with the Republicans who were gathering support for this bill? Did did anything surprise you or stick out to you? One of the moments that a lot of senators brought up as really pivotal to the effort was when it was, uh, you know, it was September. The midterm elections were, you know, underway. Everything in the Capitol has become politics. And they're still really trying to get 
this done. They want to do this before the midterm elections. But Republicans are starting to say, you know, this is a tough vote for me to take right before an election. I might be able to do this when we come back, but I don't think I can do this right now. And so the group went to Senator Chuck Schumer's office. And, you know, Schumer is known as a very political guy, ferocious campaigner, really wanted to win the midterms uh, for the Democrats. And they basically said, you know, we know that having this vote might put some Republicans on the spot in an election year, but we think if you delay it, it actually could pass. I must say I was surprised, but very pleased that he agreed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, Tammy and I talked to him and made the case to him, and he agreed to put it off. Um, And uh, one of the reasons there is just that he has a personal connection to this, too. His daughter is in uh, same-sex marriage. They're expecting uh, a, a child in the new year, and he talked very emotionally yesterday about how this is going to be a better world for his grandchild, that, you know, his parents' marriage is safe and secure. Today, a new day has come for them. In the, and in the new year, they'll be welcoming their first child, my third grandchild, God willing, in a few months. Um, with the passage of this bill, though, I think not just about them and the millions of Americans it'll impact, but about my future grandchild. That child will now grow up in a more accepting, inclusive, and loving world. A world that will honor their mother's marriage and give it the dignity it deserves. So I think, you know, there was a lot of kind of, first of all, surprising personal connections that senators had to the issue. At this point, almost everyone has a loved one um, who is gay. And I think that was something that stood out to senators um, and also people just being willing to put politics aside for this one stood out to people. After the break, the caveats. I talk with Liz about how far this bill actually goes to protect same-sex marriage. We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. So, Liz, does this bill actually protect same-sex marriage if the Supreme Court does indeed decide to roll back those protections? It does to a point. The bill does not say no state can outlaw the performance of same-sex marriages. So if the Supreme Court were to ever reverse Obergefell, um, I think there's more than 30 states that have bans on the books from before. And those could go back into effect. But what you couldn't do is say people, same-sex couples that are married, their marriages are not valid. 
So it could become much harder for same-sex couples to get married. They might have to go to another state, for example. But once you're married, the federal government protects that marriage. So in some ways, it would be like Roe, where it becomes a state-by-state issue. But you could still have your valid marriage, even in a state that doesn't want to perform those marriages. Liz, stepping back, as you've reported on how this all played out, what do you think it says about how the American political system views gay marriage? And has there actually been a shift? And what what has that shift been like? Yeah, I think there's been a huge shift. I mean, if you look even just at public polling in the 90s, a a fraction of Americans supported same-sex marriage. And now it's over 70%. I mean, there's not a ton of issues that Americans, 70% of Americans all agree on. We're a very divided country. And I think this is something that has been um, an actual shift in how people see it. And part of it is that more people come out, they're more open about being in a same-sex relationship as there's more acceptance and then more people know those people and it just uh, has a bit of a snowball effect. But I would say at the same time, there's been you know a lot of, at least on the right, even as some have moved away from this issue of same-sex marriage, there's now issues about um, trans people that are really animating the right. It's not like the culture wars have moved on from LGBTQ issues. Uh, it's just that the, the focus has really gone away from gay marriage. And Liz, what's next for this bill? So this bill is uh, scheduled to get a vote in the House on Tuesday, and then it would go to Joe Biden's desk and he would sign it. So uh, you can expect to have it be the law of the land next week. I think the other thing that's sticking with me is that even though 12 Republicans did vote to protect gay unions, there's still a majority of Republicans in the Senate that voted against it. And what does it say that, you know, you have that number up against what you're saying about 70 percent of Americans support it. Is there, a, is there a chasm here between how one political party views this issue and the broader American public? And I'm wondering also, you know, the same thing about abortion. I mean, this isn't the same issue, the, the only issue where there's this sort of divide. Exactly. Yeah, I think it still shows that there is a really strong anti-gay marriage group that is wielding kind of a disproportionate influence on the Republican Party based on, you know, their percent of the population, right? And that is very similar to abortion, where the majority of Americans think abortion should be legal, at least, you know, at some point in pregnancy. And um, but when it comes to what's animating the Republican Party, the position is more extreme than that. Um, And that's something that you know, just, I think, doesn't really change unless there's a political consequence for it. In talking with Senator Tammy Baldwin, the senator who led this effort, what's her big takeaway of how this all played out? I think Senator Baldwin is, you know, really grateful that enough Republicans were willing to come along. Um, She, in part, credits the fact that she's built up a lot of trust with people uh, on this issue. People know she's in good faith on it. This isn't something she's doing to score points. It's really personal to her as, you know, the first gay person, openly gay person to serve in the Senate. Um, And, you know, she does hope that this means that things are changing. 
like, like I have so many colleagues who have friends, relatives, um, staff members who are gay and married, and yeah. um, and so there are a lot more people based on those relationships who want to get to yes, mm-hmm. um, and we're and, and and again those were really um, moving conversations. I talked to Senator Portman right after the bill passed last night, and he spoke about the personal impact on him, given that his son is gay and in a same-sex marriage. Do you just have, how do you feel like things have changed? Like, does this vote, was this vote sort of hard to imagine back in 2013 or whenever it was? Impossible. Yeah. Impossible to imagine. Um, Yeah, I was the only one for a while, and then... Actually, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski joined me, and um, that was it. I mean, honestly, it's been a long time. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, some people think that the world has moved on. That's that's really not accurate as it relates to many parts of the country. Yeah. It's still still a matter of, um, you know, Convincing people, persuading people, telling people to understand um, what, what it all means. Yeah. Um, anyway, I got to run here. I've got to believe it or not, I've got a dinner. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you so much. I really appreciate it. Late. Thank you. Bye. Liz Goodwin covers Congress for the Post. This story was produced by Ariel Plotnick with help from Eliza Dennis. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.